We've had an awesome series of restorations so far, and we've had some amazing messages. Um, and we're blessed that March is a week of five Sundays. Hallelujah. So we get five messages on restoration. I'm just going to give you a quick recap before I start on, uh, on the messages we've had so far. Pastor Paul headed it up with the, the message entitled, A God of Restoration that he, he will restore that which he didn't take away, that he will restore relationship with our Father, that he will restore our soul, and that he will restore that which has been destroyed. And that was followed up by Pastor Glenn Bilby, Ian's son, who came and preached an awesome word, Total Recall. And that was all about God's heart is to recall us back to him. Yeah. And that our church, that we as the church should model that heart in restoring those who have strayed from God, who have, who have fallen a little bit, who have backslidden, and, and we should have that heart of restoration for them, that we should include them, still talk to them, bring them back into the fold, and restore them. Always have a heart for restoration. That's the heart of our Father. Amen. Um, and then Ruth came in with an awesome message, a rock and a hard place, preached out of Genesis 28. She preached on Jacob's ladder, and a few things that came out of that message is that that the blessing will follow you. You don't need to chase it. Um, that God looks at the heart of a person. She spoke of Esau and the, and the root of bitterness that was in him. And, that, uh, and Jacob was the one that was given the blessing. God looks at the heart of the person. Amen. Um, and, and she also spoke about resting on the rock in the hard place. And then that is where dreams are born. Amen. When you're resting on the rock, which is Jesus in the hard place, just as Jacob did. And don't park up in the wilderness. Don't park up in the hard place. God calls us to walk through that with Him and walk into a future of blessing. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and then that was followed up last week by Ian and Sophia, who once again brought an awesome message on personal restoration. Um, they, um, Ian shared from the book of Job. Sophia shared about a testimony about a woman uh, in their life group who just under just from sitting under the Word, just from sitting under the Word, her family experienced restoration. Each of you here in this room, as, as, as we speak the Word of God over you, whether you like it or not or know it or not, God's doing a work in you right now. And we have faith in that and we're believing for it. And if you stand and believe for it as well, then the restoration in your life is going to be massive. I promise you, God promises you, it's in the Word. Um, and, and Ian also said, yet at the scent of water, it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. That's out of the book of Job. And it's speaking about even when there's a dead stump, even if we think there's no coming back from where we are, all we need is the scent of water and that we will spring forth, we'll take root and we'll spring forth buds. Um, and that God's arm is not too short for you. Sometimes we can think we're too far gone and God can't quite reach. Well, the Word tells us that His reach is infinite, you know? He never strays too far from us. It's just us not seeing that He's there. And all we have to do is reach out. His arm is long enough for us. Amen. And that the ministry of Jesus is all about restoration. It's all over His ministry. Everything He does is about healing, restoring sight, restoring movement to the lame, restoring, restoring, restoring. If you need restoration in your life right now, that's where it's going to come from. It's going to come from Jesus. Amen? Amen. Have faith for that. I'll believe for that on your behalf as well. So before I get into my message, I would like to pray because my restoration in this Word is going to come from Christ. So thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you have given me this opportunity here to speak your word, Father. I thank you that you've given me a word for people to hear this morning. I pray that it is a word in season. 
Lord, I pray that the hearts here are soft and open and ready for your word. Lord, I pray for good soil here for your seed to be planted. And Lord, I pray there is a spirit of expectation in the house this morning, Father. People are expecting for your word to break down barriers and strongholds and shackles in their lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, God put on my heart that we should seek restoration for ourselves, as what's been spoken about this month, for ourselves, for others, um, that we can believe for restoration. I believe that we can believe for restoration also for a nation. So my, my message this morning is entitled, Restoration for a Nation. Restoration for a Nation. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get into a rap. Some of you might be more talented in that area than me. And I think that um, how we do this as followers of Christ is so contrary to the way that uh, we would understand that we'd do it on the world standard. You know, there's a word in the Bible uh, from 2 Corinthians 10 and 3, and it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Do you know what that says to me? It says to me that us, as citizens of heaven, as children of God, we live by a whole different logic. Amen? And if we're going to see change in our nation and restoration in our nation, we're not going to go about it the way that the world would have us go about it. We don't fight battles like they do. Amen? The way we fight battles is resting in our Father, because He is the one that's already won the battle for us. Amen? Amen? Faith is the currency of the kingdom, and praise is, uh, is how we fight battles, amen? So um, God gave me three things, three things that, uh, that we, that the Word teaches us uh, that we should hold to see restoration in our nation, or to see restoration in our community, or even in our lives. One, confidence, two, honor, and three, citizenship. Let me expand on this. One, confidence. Having and displaying confidence in our faith. Having and displaying confidence in our faith. Two, honor. Honoring worldly authority. Now that can come as a bit of a contradiction. If we see that our nation needs restoration, we're still called to honor the authority put in place. This is an important key to the kingdom. It's illogical to us when we think from the worldly perspective. But in the kingdom of God, honor is right up there. Honor of authority. Citizenship. See, we need to understand that we are first and foremost a citizen of heaven. You might hold a New Zealand passport or an Australian passport or a Canadian passport, but you are first and foremost a child of God, a co-heir with Christ, and a citizen of heaven. And there are certain laws or logic that applies to citizens of heaven, all right? And once we realize that we belong to that nation, that we belong to this family, that we belong to Christ, we can start looking at the way that we deal, things, deal with things in a whole new perspective. And uh, that comes straight out of Philippians 3 and 20. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven. All right. So as I dig into this, I want to speak a bit about Daniel. 
in the Old Testament, uh, there was a uh, Jew called Daniel, and he, along with a few of his mates, were exiled to Babylon and uh, put under the, uh, the they, they were set to serve uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, which was an enemy king to their nation. And we could learn a lot from the way that Daniel handles and holds himself. And uh, God really spoke to me a lot uh, through Daniel. Um, so there's a few things that happened in, in Daniel's life. One of them was he, he and his mates came into service for, for Nebuchadnezzar. And then later on, uh, a few years down the track, uh, Nebuchadnezzar put a law out there. Um, excuse me. Nebuchadnezzar got a dream. This is what happened. And he couldn't interpret it. And he asked for all of the wise men uh, of his of his nation and all of the astrologers and all the ones that he counted on for advice and spiritual guidance, he asked them all to come uh, to, to interpret this dream that was troubling him. Now, he had a bit of a test that he ran them through because he wasn't just going to sit there and listen to whatever someone spouted. He's got to, you've got to prove to me that you've got this prophetic gift. I'm not even going to tell you what the dream is. You've got to tell me what the dream was and then I'll start trusting what you're going to say about the interpretation. And these wise men, they were all stalling. They were all, you know, they're coming up with different excuses. And in the end, they said, King, nobody can do this. No one can read your mind. Not, not one wise person in, in the whole world could, could tell, interpret a dream that you're not even going to tell us. And so he goes into a rage and he just goes, all right, you wise men are useless. Off with their heads. And he goes and commands, he commands his uh, captain of the guard to go and execute every single wise person uh, you know, that was under his authority, they're all gone. And, and this, this included Daniel and his mates. Because of their trust in God and the way that they were, they had been elevated to a place of, uh, um, of wise counsel. And so this included them. And just as the captain of the guard, uh, the commander of the king's guard, came out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him. And in uh, Daniel 2, it's, it says, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. In another version it says, with wisdom and discretion. There was honor there. Honor there from Daniel. In the face of death, he didn't, uh, he didn't open up his Facebook and, uh, and do a big post about how Nebuchadnezzar was doing the wrong thing. <laughs> he didn't send a big panui out to everybody saying, hey, We've got to start an uprising because Nebuchadnezzar is going against uh, the, what we believe right now. And we need to stick up for this. Daniel went with wisdom and discretion and handled himself with honor to a king that he saw was doing the wrong thing. Nevertheless, recognized that God had established this authority over this nation and God had called him to honor that authority. Yeah? So he asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? And the officer then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Daniel, uh, note, Daniel didn't have the answer at this point. He went to the king and said, just give me a little time. Because he understood that even though he didn't have the answer, his God did. 
Amen? And he knew and understood that he was tight with God, that he heard from God, and that if it was God's will to speak through him and save these people and interpret this dream and please this authority, that God would grant him that vision. It would grant him that interpretation. So first he went to the king and said, King, just give us some more time, please. And then he went to his mates. And this is the important part. He went back to his life group. <laughs> yeah, he went back to his life group. And uh, I know that all my, uh, our life group, uh, they've got your pen and paper out at the moment and you're taking notes because the first thing I do at our life group is I go around and say, what did you get from the message? <laughs> so I know you're all taking notes now, but this is what Daniel did. He went back to his mates who, um, who he went back to them and he said to them, uh, plead for mercy from the God of heaven, because I've got myself in it here. I've told the king that I can do something. So let's just plead with God uh, concerning this mystery so that uh, he and his friends might, be, might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven, and this is what he said. Another lesson we can learn from Daniel about his attitude to bringing restoration. He said, praise be to Daniel. No, he said, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are mine. No, wisdom and power are his. He said, he changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and, and light, even though light dwells within him. And I thank and praise you, God, of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you, and you have made known to us the dream of the king. Daniel's attitude is always off himself and on his creator, on God. And us, as, as we seek restoration, it should never be about, God, I want to be the one that comes and like, brings change to the situation. I want to be the one that, that does this and that. Lord, um, I want to be the one. I want to be the one. See, if we really want to see God move in our lives, it's about submission and recognition of His complete and utter authority over all things. And that it is from Him that wisdom comes, and it is from Him that change comes, and it's from Him that restoration will ultimately come. And do you know what? That takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Because if I was charged for bringing restoration to New Zealand, I would, I would be stressing out. <laughs> I would be. I was stressing out enough just worrying about finances of my household when it came before I came to the Lord and understood that He was my provider. Amen. So if I'm in charge of a whole nation, if I'm going to try and step into His shoes and do things the way that I see fit, man, I'm in for a world of hurt. Amen. So first step is to understand that He is sovereign, and it's from Him that the wisdom comes. It's from Him that the restoration comes. It's from Him that our faith comes. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So Daniel went to the king and he explained the dream. And he told the king exactly what the king had dreamed. Uh, he explained about the statue that the king had seen in his dream. And the statue had four parts to it. The head was made of gold, the chest and arms of silver, the belly and thighs of bronze, and the legs and feet 
of iron and clay. But before he did this, he said to the king in, uh, in Daniel, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can ever explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Again, this isn't me that's doing this, king. It's my God. No, no man on earth can do this. It's my God. There is a God in heaven who reveals all mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. And he explained the statue again with the four parts. And he explained that the four parts of the statue represented four nations that would rule and govern over the earth. And then he said, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed nor will it be left to other people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands. See, in this vision that Nebuchadnezzar had, this brilliant statue was set up, the four different nations that would rule, and then there was a rock carved out of a mountain, not by human hands. He said this twice, not by human hands. And it was thrown into the feet of the statue and the statue was turned to dust and cast. And then the rock that was carved from the mountain was established as a, as a kingdom forever. This is symbolic of what Christ has done for us. Amen? He was a rock carved out of the mountain, not by human, plan, not by human hands and not by human plans. You see, we could never have come up with a plan like God did for our restoration to Him. Amen? Christ, is the, Christ and what He did at the cross and what He did for us is the only way that we could really enjoy full restoration in the sight of God. Amen? So what He's done there is He's done something that we could never achieve and He's given it to us regardless of what we've done, in spite of what we've done. And we, can, we, we, we don't deserve it. We can never earn it. And so it can never be taken away. It's there forever. Amen? So this is the picture of Christ, the rock that was carved out of the mountain. This was way back in the Old Testament. Daniel was speaking about Christ. Yeah? Amen. So, in doing that, after Daniel had come to the king and explained all of this and explained the dream, the king then what did he do? He praised God. He praised God. He praised Daniel, and he praised God. And this is not a believer. This is an authority that was not uh, believing in the same God Daniel was believing in. And despite the fact that Daniel did not go to war as the world does, and he did not raise up arms against this king when he saw something was wrong or offensive to his faith, he just did him. He just trusted in God. He understood that it came from God. And in doing that, God brought about a restoration to a nation that only God could in such a, in such a way that only God could have managed, in such a way that Daniel could never have done by himself. And he recognized that. Amen. So then Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged God. There was another uh, instance as well in, in when his life group got into trouble. So his life group, that's, uh, and this is out of the Reuben version, it doesn't say life group in the, in the word, but his mates, 
And it's so important to have mates that encourage you and build you in the faith and are there to pray with you and are there to sharpen you. And uh, iron sharpens iron, right? So it's so important to surround yourself by the right people and with the right people. So Daniel was surrounded with these, uh, these three guys who were renamed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I worked hard on uh, remembering those names correctly. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, uh, and these three, they got themselves into trouble for following God. Uh, see, Nebuchadnezzar, he raised a huge statue in his kingdom, and he commanded that everybody should bow down to this thing. Every time that the musicians played, every time that the lyre was played, the harp was played, the, everybody in the kingdom had to ba- stop what they were doing and worship the statue. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't jump on Facebook again. They didn't do a big post. They didn't go to war with Nebuchadnezzar. They simply trusted that the Lord was sovereign. Amen. So they, were, they honored their authority. They honored Nebuchadnezzar right up until the point God said, nope. And what they did, they didn't kick up a huge stink. They simply followed their convictions and followed their faith and were consistent in their faith. You see, our consistency and our solidity in our faith is what is going to change minds and hearts in this nation. It's not fighting back. It's not, um, it's not backlash. It's not defending God. It is simply believing in God and following our convictions and our faith. Amen? And all the while, honoring authority. Honoring authority. Being that, having that honoring spirit. This is what is actually going to change a nation. Amen? The rest, anything else, just causes division. When you think about it, you follow the path down in your mind. You follow the logic. Everything else leads to division. And God is about unity. God is about everybody coming to the faith. He's got a plan of restoration for you and me and the guy out in the street and the guy that commits murder and everything else, everybody else. He's got the same plan of restoration for all of us. None of us deserve it more than the other. We all deserve it. Absolutely not at all. Each one of us. We deserve it the same amount as everybody else you meet on that street. And I tell you right now, you know, yeah, just, yeah, remember that. Remember how much you don't deserve what God has given you. And it it empowers you more and more to accept it with such joy. Yeah, because it's a free gift. Amen. Yeah. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to bow down to the statue. And, uh, and there was a decree made that anybody who didn't bow down to the statue would be thrown into the furnace, right? So they still did not bow down to the statue. So Nebuchadnezzar loses his temper, and he, comes to, he gets them brought in front of him, and he says, I'm going to give you one last chance, because I like you guys. We're going to play the flute and the lyre and everything right here, right now, and if you do not bow down to the statue, you'll be thrown in the furnace. And they said to them, they said to Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves to you, O great king. Still honoring. We don't need to defend ourselves to you. And our God does have the power to save us from this. And he will save us from it. But you should know, but you should know, even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to your statue. Even if God doesn't intercede on our behalf. We will not shake in our faith. We will not shake in our convictions. That is the consistency in your faith. 
That is the power, the way to change the world. That is the way to change minds and change hearts. Consistency in your faith. I saw it in those that were around me when I came to the Lord. These guys were just consistently through all life troubles. This church that I went to, this family that I was surrounded by, my wife's beautiful family, they were so consistent in their faith, so consistent in what they believed, that regardless of whatever I said and whoever I said I was, they just went, yeah, that's cool. We, we do this. Me and my house, we serve the Lord. Amen? So you remain consistent. That's what's going to change hearts. They didn't chase me down and go, you need to change, you need to change, you need to change. They didn't follow me everywhere I went and say, hey, hey, stop doing what you're doing, stop doing what you're doing, you need to fix your life. <laughs> they just went, oh, you do you, man. We're going to do us. And while you're with us, we have faith that God's doing a work in you. Yeah? And they were right. God was doing a work in me. Praise God. Praise God. So these guys refused once again, and Nebuchadnezzar lost his temper once more, and he fired up the furnace to seven times as hot as it was for the other ones that didn't bow down, and he said, right, you're going to learn a lesson. He said, your, your God can't save you from this, and he gets the strongest guys he has to bind them up and carry them into the furnace. The furnace was so hot that as these guys threw, them, threw these guys in, they died. The, his, like his strongest men died just from being so close to the furnace, right? And these guys were thrown and bound, and Nebuchadnezzar is sitting there, and he looks into the flames, and he goes, hey, didn't we just chuck three people in there? And all his mates are like, yeah, three people. He's like, but I can see four people in there, and one of them looks like the Son of Man. One of them looks like the Son of the Gods. One of them looks like God Himself. See, we'll get thrown into the furnace for our faith sometimes, but Jesus is in there with us. Amen? And He might not take us out of the flames immediately, but He will be there with us. And I tell you what, when Jesus is with us in the flames, we're not burning we are not burning. We're just hanging with the Lord. And do you know what happened after that? Nebuchadnezzar goes, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come out, come out, come out. And they, so they're like, sweet as, and they rock out. And they're like, what? And all, everyone there has just seen these three guys walk out of a furnace seven times as hot as it was before, where these strong as men had just died and burnt to a crisp, throwing them in there. And these guys just walk out. They don't even have smoke coming off them. They're not even hot to the touch. They don't even smell like soot. They're just chilling. And so they just they rock out of the out of, out of the furnace. And do you know what happens then? Nebuchadnezzar honors God. You see, if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had, had tagged Nebuchadnezzar in a post on Facebook and said, Hey, stop doing what you're doing, Nebuchadnezzar would have just gone, unfriend. <laughs> Mute. Notifications, <laughs> report. <laughs> he wouldn't have turned. He wouldn't have honored God. He would have just gone, you guys, man, you're just such a small drop in a huge lake. But when he saw what God could do in their lives, just through them being consistent and solid and trusting in God, he was like, this is bigger than a small drop in my lake. I am a small drop. And their God is huge. You see, just your simple act of walking in Christ, trusting in Christ, believing in Christ, just that simple act of having confidence in your faith, 
honoring authority regardless. Because authority is going to expect you to kick back. But Jesus always did the unexpected. Amen? Who would have thought that you could restore someone's eyes by spitting in dirt and rubbing it in their eyes? Jesus always did the unexpected. The unexpected as far as the world was concerned. And the unexpected in those situations is for us to honor authority. He honored authority. He was confident in his faith. And he understood, they all understood that they are citizens of heaven. And that really, while they are called under the worldly authority and they're called to honor that authority, that the highest of high authorities is God, is Christ in your life. And at the end of the day, you'll not shake on that conviction. Now, I don't want to confuse for the fact that we shouldn't defend our faith because there is, there is word in the Bible that says we, we do need to be ready to defend our faith. In 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. With gentleness and respect. One thing that I've learned from all the people that I've met that have come to the Lord is that no person comes the same way as another person. Everyone's different. Everyone comes to the Lord different. Some people will just be an encounter from God in their living room with no one else around. Some of them, it will be through reason. It'll be sitting there and debating the twos and fro's of the Word. For some of them, it's just from sitting under the Word as you are now. God encounters people in different ways, and that's why it says we always need to be prepared. We always need to be prepared to give a reason for why we are living in hope. But we always need to do this with respect and kindness, gentleness. There's so much more that we can learn from the life of Daniel and how he honored uh, those that he served. He served four kings, I believe, in his time. Another king that really, really liked him, was tricked into throwing him into a lion's den for praying to his God, as he did consistently every day, because some people were out to get him. They couldn't find fault with him. So they set him up, and they tricked the king into into creating a law against praying to any other God but him. And so he threw him into the lion's den reluctantly, and then he came down after a night of David being in the lion's den and said, David, Oh, Daniel, sorry. (laughs) Daniel, has your God saved you from the lions? Please say your God saved you from the lions. The first thing Daniel said, the first thing Daniel said was not, yeah, my God's way better than your peeps. Daniel answered, may the king live forever. He answered with honor to the authority that had thrown him in the lion's den. He turned around, did the unexpected, and he said, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. You see, when we behave in the way that the world expects us to, we're going to get worldly results. When we behave as citizens of heaven, 
confident in the hope that Christ has given us in our salvation and we behave with an honoring spirit, that is when we're going to see restoration in a nation. And it's going to be restoration that is going to stand like that mountain. It's going to stay forever because it's God that brings it about. And it is God that will bring about restoration in your life. It is God that will bring about restoration in those things that you're believing for. You don't have to fight your areas of lack in a way that the world thinks you should. You don't have to fight your addictions in a way that the world thinks you should. You don't have to strive for your restoration. Listen to Pastor Ruth's message again. You, you, don't, you don't have to strive for the blessing. The blessing follows you. And all you have to do is recognize that His hand is long enough. And His hand is long enough for you right now. No matter where you think you sit right now, you don't have to fix yourself. You don't have to get yourself, yourself right in the eyes of God before you make a decision to follow Him. You don't have to fix your life up. You don't have to make yourself clean. Because no matter how much you brush off, it's going to come back on. It's Christ that makes us clean. It's His blood that washes us. It's His sacrifice that makes us righteous in the eyes of our Father in heaven. It's Him that's going to do the work in you. You could never do it yourself. So I really just want to open this opportunity up to you to do that this morning.